2: With Zach Pearson,
0: Zach Pearson, and
2: Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears, Go Bears presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
1: What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Week 16's in the books, two more regular season weeks left for the Chicago Bears, they are a winner over the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas Eve, sending the Soldier Field faithful home on a positive note um, for the holidays. It was a game that started off really good for the Bears, kind of ended a little ugly, uh, but they did hold on to get the win, and they are now 6-9. and nine. We're going to break that down, plus the final two games of the regular season, one home game against Atlanta, one on the road against Green Bay, the very, 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 very slim playoff hopes, and even what's – up in the future here for the Bears it's gonna be a very interesting offseason let's get into all that let me bring in my co-host Aaron Lemming Aaron first off hope you had a great holiday season um but yeah man Bears are six and nine two games left and you know the focus is really starting to turn to the offseason here
2: yeah yeah it was uh it was interesting it was interesting Christmas for sure man it was uh I know you guys have been battling the same thing but it's like I got sick. I think we recorded that podcast Tuesday and I was kind of starting to feel it and thought it was allergies. And then, uh, Wednesday was rough, man. I think I crashed like Wednesday night and then didn't, yeah, didn't go to work Thursday. And I'm finally basically over it outside of the, all the congestion. And then my girlfriend got it and she's going through it. And it's like, dude, it's just that, that one capper to the end of the year. Um, but you know, it was still that Cleveland trip was still worth it. I think we got it there. But, you know, it's um, we're finally getting to the, the, the last two weeks of the season. It's crazy because there's so many teams, including the Bears, mathematically speaking, that aren't actually eliminated from the playoffs right now. And obviously, you know, basically, if like two teams win, then they're out. And, you know, this isn't the conversation. But it's just kind of interesting to see. Where everything has landed, um, you know, obviously the Bears went in, uh, you know, in the game against Arizona, took care of business. And then, you know, uh, Carolina almost beat the the Packers, which was kind of strange. And then if things couldn't get any weirder, then obviously, you know, the Patriots went on uh You know, I guess it wasn't technically Sunday Night Football, but they played Sunday Night, which feels like Sunday Night Football to me, even though it was on the NFL Network they pulled off an improbable win against the the Broncos. So all of a sudden we're heading into week 17 where the bears aren't technically eliminated from playoff contention. There's a lot of different games on the line going into this week against teams that are like sub 500 or right around 500 that are battling for playoff spots. And we're also one Carolina Panthers uh, loss away from, you know, the bears basically locking up the number one overall pick. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely interesting to kind of see everything start to, you know, kind of take shape here a little bit down the stretch.
1: Yeah. Dude, this sickness sucks. <laughs> I haven't been to the house all in two weeks. I'm still a little congested. I am feeling better, but yeah, uh, it's, it sucks that you got it too. Um, other than that though, I mean, like Sunday was almost the perfect day for the bears. essentially. like, yeah, you never really want to root for green Bay. Um, at the same time, like, a Packers win benefited the Bears because it doesn't matter what side you're on. Like, even if you want to keep Justin Fields, you want to move on from him, getting the number one pick is crucial because if you keep Fields, you're going to trade that number one pick for a haul. And if you don't keep Fields, you're probably you're going to have the choice, Caleb Williams or Drake May, whatever one you want. Um, so, yeah, that worked out. And, you know, Green Bay is kind of in the playoff race as well. But Atlanta won, Seattle won, the Rams won this week. Uh, Minnesota wasn't able to pull it off, which would have helped even more. But ideally, you know, the Packers defense looked like crap under Joe Barry. So, yeah, it it was kind of a great scenario for the Bears, and and, and they capped it off with a win of their own, um, you know, against a really bad Arizona Cardinals team. So looking at these final two games, man, it's – for the Bears, it's, you know, everything has to break their way. I don't even know the percentage, but essentially everything has to break their way. They need a bunch of teams to lose. Um, They obviously have to win out. Um, And even then, you know, I think there's like a scenario where they don't get in, even if like a lot of things happen, but watching the number one pick race too is key because you saw the Raiders get a win. Washington lost. Um, That really didn't help. You saw the Patriots get a win that helped the bears. And that was pretty much the biggest thing was Carolina losing and new England getting a win. So now Essentially, what, it's, it's between um, Carolina and, which the Bears own their pick, Arizona is sitting there at number two um, with three wins. So as long as Carolina doesn't win a game and, you know, if they lose a game, it's, it's pretty much over. Um, but also, you know, Arizona, if they win a game, it's, it's, it's pretty much over. So, yeah, it's a lot of things to kind of monitor here uh, down the stretch.
2: Well, it's kind of one. What what's weird about it is, is like that. I I don't think hardly any of our listeners probably paid attention to that Washington game against the Jets, but that actually it's funny because at the time it seemed like the Jets winning was probably the better scenario for the Bears and their you know their hopes for the number one overall pick. But in hindsight, because New England won. It actually ended up being one of those things that kind of hurt them a little bit more because technically speaking, Washington is still in the race for the number one pick. And the main reason for that is, yes, they're four and what is it? We're what, 15 games into the season. So they're four and 11. But. Hypothetically speaking, if Carolina wins another game, or sorry, if Carolina wins two games and Arizona wins another game and New England wins another game, which I think is still very possible because they play the Jets in, in Week 18, then you could be looking at a situation where if they're all four, if there's three or four teams that are sitting there at four wins, then Washington is probably going to have the strength of schedule tiebreaker. And again, I don't think it's going to get that far whatsoever. Um, but I mean really the situation that the Bears are in with Carolina right now is Carolina plays the Jaguars on Sunday. The Jaguars have been absolutely awful. We don't know for a litany of reasons if, if uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be starting a quarterback and Carolina has been playing better football as of late. but if they lose one game, that's it because of regardless of what Arizona does because Arizona's strength of schedule is so much higher, It's to a point right now where it would take about four weeks for a team if everything really broke right for a team to be able to, you know, for Arizona to be able to overcome that and be able to get down and whatever else. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, from a mathematical standpoint, as long as Carolina loses on Sunday or if they lose next Sunday or whatever, it's over they, they have the number one overall pick but in the unlikely scenario that carolina was to win two games you know the, their last two games of the season which i think week 18 is relatively possible they do play tampa bay but the thing is if tampa bay wins against new orleans on sunday that's it the, the nfc south wrapped up i can't imagine that they're going to play starters in week 18 so that's one of those scenarios where they could absolutely win that game which is why them losing to jacksonville which jacksonville seven point favorites you know that's that's a Pretty big deal, but is it's Trevor definitely
1: going to play? Is that, he, what, they don't
2: right now, they don't know because he's dealing with he just came back off that concussion. He had the high ankle sprain, which was really like a low ankle sprain, and then uh, he had the the shoulder, I think it was like a shoulder separation. I think it was on his non throwing shoulder, uh, but they don't know. I mean, honestly, dude, I don't know how much you've watched Jacksonville over the last few weeks. Just sit him, man, like you're like a, a Trevor Lawrence at 50% or whatever the hell he's been playing at these last few weeks is cl- very clearly not good enough. Like, and again, I'm not a CJ Bethard stand by any chance, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like they're doing themselves so much more harm right now by continuing to throw Trevor Lawrence into these situations where he's just, he's not playing good football, man. Like there's just like, he's hurt and he's very clearly like, he's just not there right now. And, so I, if I had to guess, just because it seems like every single time we think he's not going to play, if I had to guess, he's probably going to play just because, I mean, the stakes are big. That's the thing with Jacksonville. Like they, hit, they went three weeks ago, like three games ago, they were in the running for the number one overall seed. They've lost three games in a row. And all of a sudden, they're looking at a scenario right now where if they were to lose this weekend and one of the Texans or the Colts were to win, They're going into a situation in week 18 where they're not even guaranteed to, one, win the division and two make the playoffs like they've put themselves in a really, really strange spot. Um, And so obviously this kind of needs to be a get right game for them. But I mean, really, what it comes down to is that New England win put everything exactly where it needs to be. Uh, Carolina's won two games all year. The likelihood of them winning two straight games to close out the season aren't very high. So as long as they lose one game, the Bears lock up the number one overall pick. But it's just kind of interesting. You know, you look around and, you know, even with the Bears win, I mean, all of a sudden they're sitting at pick number eight right now. Um, If I had to, you know, if I had to guess what's going to happen over the next two games, I I would guess that they're going to end up going one and one. They'll finish seven and ten, which should still be good for a top ten pick. But it's definitely... It went from one of those, we were, I think we were both pretty confident. We we're looking at, you know, two top five picks and, you know, maybe they could get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. to, you know, unless they completely fall apart down the stretch and lose these last two games, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be out of the running, obviously, for for Marvin Harrison Jr. But if they wanted to make a change at, like, left tackle, like, they're probably not going to be in a spot where Joe Alt or Olu uh, are going to be there for them.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Yeah, I'm so I'm looking at these playoffs, like the ESPN playoff machine right now, just because I actually want to see what like, the percentage. The Bears yeah man they need so much to happen like it's not only they have to win out seattle has to lose out which they play arizona don't think that's gonna happen the
2: rams would have to lose out
1: rams have to lose out um yeah just even kind of doing it because like even one seattle win yep it just takes one seattle win pretty much eliminates the bears I'd, i'd assume um a rams win yep eliminates the bears um because like the only scenario I can really come up with, and I'm probably wrong, there's probably two or three other crazy ones, is seventh seed would be the Bears, the sixth seed would be Green Bay. Because um, the Bears would actually have to root for Green Bay to win this week. Because if Green Bay loses this week, actually the Bears could still get in. The Minnesota would be the sixth seed. Um, yeah, there's not many scenarios. Like Seattle has to lose out. The Rams have to lose out. Um, the Bears obviously have to win out. Minnesota has to win one. It doesn't really matter what they do. Green Bay, it's same kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not very likely. And, you know, the Bears, man, they're going to have some decisions to make. And these final two games, like, it's still an evaluation period in my eyes. And from what I saw against the Cardinals, you know, a win's a win. I don't ever want to take away from that. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Like, maybe you didn't feel the same, but – did it kind of feel like an empty win, especially how the game started?
2: Well, and that's the thing. And I, and I know it do Twitter is just wild right now. And I know a lot of people after the game were like, nobody can just enjoy the win. And it's, but it's like, like to me, after that, after that Cleveland game, to me personally, like wins and losses don't really matter right now. Right. So it's, it's one of those things to me. It's like, I don't like, obviously I, I don't hate the win, but I don't like, I, I don't, really enjoy it either like it's just kind of one of those it is what it is i think every win makes the future for the bears at least with the head coaching stuff more murky but i think yeah like you pointed out but dude they they went up 21 to nothing and they scored six points for the rest of the game against the worst defense in the league like like it or not justin fields had less than 40 yards passing in the second half like like it or not the bears came pretty damn close to blowing that game against one of the worst teams in the league. And it's, it's one of those situations where to me, I'm much more worried about watching these games. I'm much more worried about learning things, right? Learning things about this team. It's, it's much like it was last year for the majority of the year where you're learning about the, the depth of the roster. You're learning who's going to be here next year. Who's not going to be, you know, guys like Terrell Smith stepping up guys like Jervon Dexter stepping up. Like, those are the kind of things that you want to learn, or even the negatives, you know, if, if Justin Fields has a bad game, like you start leaning towards, yeah, he's probably not going to be the quarterback next year. Those types of situations. I don't feel like we learned anything about this team because they basically did exactly what they were supposed to for the first half of the game. And then all of a sudden it just, it was kind of the same thing where it's like Matt Eberflues and say, yeah, well, you know, we lock things down at the end and we finish the game the way that we're supposed to finish the game. But it's like, yeah, dude, but like, if you look at it from a matchup standpoint like that was probably the most favorable matchup the bears have had all year like everything that the cardinals did bad the bears did well and everything that the cardinals did well the bears you know also did pretty well as well so it's one of those things like the bears on paper were very clearly a better team they looked like the better team they looked like the faster the more dominant team they looked like an nfl team versus the uh, versus the cardinals for the majority of the game but then you get in the second half and it's like, you know, the offense scores three straight touchdowns and then they score six points the rest of the way out. Like the defense didn't force any turnovers. They had a few sacks. Like I, I felt like they really dominated for the majority of the game. But I think when you, when you kind of zoom out on the game overall, it's kind of one of those, like they won, they controlled the majority of the game, but what did we really learn? Like we still saw a lot of the same, trends that we've seen where it's like yeah I mean they've come out hot in almost every game this year like I mean they were talking about on the broadcast like they are one of the best teams and they first in the third quarter they're also one of the worst teams and they third and uh, sorry in the second in mainly the fourth quarter of football games and that's kind of the problem where again to me and again this is to me The Bears should be competing for at least a wild card spot next year. I don't think the NFC North is that good. I think, you know, congratulations to the the Detroit Lions for winning the NFC North. I think it's actually pretty cool that we get to see a team that's not the Minnesota Vikings or Green Bay Packers winning it. But I mean, like looking at the Lions, I mean, especially if you just compare the two matchups of the Bears and Lions this year. Like the Bears look like the better team in both of those matchups for almost the entirety of both of those games. Like, and I'm not saying that they are, but the point is, I don't think the Bears are that far off. Like, and so that's kind of the thing where I'm looking at this from a from a prism of, you know, that this isn't what it was with John Fox. You know, where they were, you know, they they had the rebuild, but they they were also picking like you know seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh overall didn't have a crazy amount of cap space, whatever. And it was kind of a slow buildup versus what they did here with Ryan Poles ripping the Band-Aid off. And we've seen the fruits of the labor really pay off this year is, do they've got a pretty good young football team. Obviously they need to learn how to win. Obviously they need to add more to the roster this year, but they have a team that, at least in my personal opinion, like they should be absolutely competing for a playoff spot next year. Maybe their Super Bowl window doesn't open up regardless of what they do at quarterback, they should be competing for a playoff spot next year. They got a lot of resources. They're going to have two first round picks. Um, If they take a quarterback at number one overall, they're going to be able to trade Justin Fields and probably pull back at least a second, if not more, um, you know, a second and another second or a second and third or whatever. You get my point, but it's like, they have a lot of flexibility right now. And I think that's what frustrates me is like, we're sitting here watching this team and you can see, that it's like, you know, it, people argue this and it's like, dude, they blew three fourth quarter leads two or sorry, three fourth quarter leads that were 10 point or more leads like they should be realistically, they should be nine and six right now. And that sounds crazy to say that. But if they just win those games, if they figured out how to win those games, if they had a better coaching staff to win those games, they would be nine and six right now. They would pretty much have already all but locked off, uh, locked up a playoff spot this year it's like that, those are the things that frustrate me where it's like you see the flashes of where you're like, okay, the bears, like, let's just put it out there. The bears aren't a bad football team. Like the bear, like we saw a bad football team with the Cardinals, uh, you know, like the, the bears oh, are not terrible. Bad. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like the bears are not in the echelon of bottom 10 teams. Like they were probably one of the best teams in the NFC South. Like they could very easily be a playoff team this year. Had they not blown those leads And that's kind of where my mindset is moving into these final few games and into the offseason is how do you get to that next step? And I think the frustrating thing for me is we're still seeing a lot of the same things from the coaching staff and the identity of this football team that tells you that this is not a team that's building up to be good and they're having growing pains. This is an identity of this team that they need to figure out how to get rid of.
1: Yeah, they, you know, you say those games they should have won. Um, Yeah, I mean, you 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 put them at what nine and six. If they're nine six, they're going into this week with a chance at the NFC North title because Detroit would be ten and five. So yeah, man. I mean, I think you hit it right in the head. It's a team that I think has talent. They're putting it together. There's too many coaching mistakes not only from Luke Getze with the offensive play calling, Matt Iberflos is at fault of this as well. And I just think, man, I know like the Bears aren't going to tip their hand or anything like that. I just, I think, feel like Sunday's game, despite a win, kind of still signified it, how the season has gone and pretty much told you like, yeah, you got to move on. It's, it's, it's time to clean house. And it's just the short yardage struggles. It's the... You know, even going back to the the Browns game with dropping Justin Jones in coverage, they did it again. And, J- and the James Conner touchdown, if you watch that play, Justin Jones, is pretty much the same defense. Justin Jones drops back into that zone. And Conner, what happens? Goes untouched pretty much for a touchdown. So the well,
2: Everflu said that that wasn't the design, but it's like, then why the hell did it happen?
1: Yeah. Why is Justin Jones in coverage? Yeah. I don't know, man. That game, it, it just kind of told, it just was just everything that was. The Bears this season, like Fields came out on fire. They were moving the football. They look great. Then he struggles in the second quarter. Then you know he has an electric run in the in the in the fourth quarter. I think it was next play, throws an interception on what is that's a layup touchdown. That is a touchdown that quarterbacks you have to make that throw. So yeah, man, it's just you know a lot of things have to be fixed with this roster. But maybe the roster. I think just the like coaching in general a lot of things are going to be fixed this offseason hopefully but like there is talent man like this defense is playing so much better since montez sweat this secondary is really damn good front seven is getting better that was the weakest you know point the defensive line was the weakest point for this team going into the season the linebackers it looks like they hit on two linebackers with edmonds and edwards so yeah i don't know man it's just i think there needs to be change with the coaching. Um, I do think they'll move out from aggressive fields. I, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, yeah, I, it just kind of feels like change is coming. I don't know if you get that vibe or not as well. And I do. And and, and I think
2: to me, it's kind of one of those, like how deep is the change going to run? Right. Like, cause I, th- I, I don't know. I feel to me, I feel comfortable enough to say like, dude, Luke gets, not coming back next year. I, I, I think that, at least in my opinion, I think Matt Eberflues last week kind of put some distance between himself and Eberflues just with some of the things that he said and, and, and just some of his actions, in my, in, in my personal opinion. And I think that when you when you look at, like, if you fast forward two games, let's just say they're 7-10, because to me that, that, that feels like the most likely scenario, where, whether they beat Atlanta this week and lose to Green Bay or whether they lose to Atlanta and beat Green Bay. I think the most likely scenario is they're sitting at the end of the season at 7 and 10. And I think if you zoomed out at the beginning of this year and you asked a lot of Bears fans like, hey, you know, no context. The Bears are going to finish 7 and 10. Would you take that? I think most people would say yes. And I think if you said, you know, how would you rate like the job security of everybody? I think most people would say everybody should stay. And I think without context, I think that that makes all the sense in the world. But again, that's why you play out the seasons the way that you play them out. And I, and I think that that's kind of the thing where even if Iberflues stays, which I'm still, I would, I, I'm still like 60-40 on the fence. I feel like as dumb as this sounds, and, and it probably isn't the case, but I feel like if they beat Atlanta this week and then they go out and they lose to Green Bay, <clears throat> I think that there's a 60-40 chance that Iberflus is fired. Now I think that if they go out and they win these last two games, I think it's a lock that Eberflus comes back. And I think even if they lose to Atlanta and they beat Green Bay, uh, especially in pretty convincing fashion in Week 18 and like knock them out of the playoffs or whatever, then I think again, I think that there's that there's a I would say probably like a 40 60 percent chance of you know that uh, that Ibra
1: would get fired. So I think I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask like that Green Bay game has a lot of value for the bears like there's a scenario where the bears could eliminate the Packers for playoff contention not only that what does george and the mccaskey family preach they want to beat green bay nothing makes them more pissed off than losing to green bay year after year after year like that game has a lot of value yeah
2: no i i I think it does and i think that that's why it's like I still see a lot of people confidently saying, "Like, oh yeah, Iberflus is gone." It's like uh, I, I think the odds still lean in that favor. I do, but at the same time, I think that it's going to be a lot easier to erase those those three blown leads and the the way that they started off the season zero and four if they finish. I mean, if they finish seven and 10 and they beat Green Bay, like, you know, and, and this is kind of like the middle point scenario, if they if and I think that this is the least likely scenario out of them going seven and 10. But if they go seven and 10 and they beat the Packers, you're looking at a stretch after that four game, uh, you know, after that four game losing streak where they went seven and six down the stretch. Right. So it's like like you can say, hey, you know, yeah, we started off pretty badly. We went seven and six down the stretch. We finished three and three in the division. Uh, You know, we beat the Packers. We're on the right track. I just need a new quarterback. I need a new offensive coordinator. I'm going to make this thing work. I think that that would be the selling point there. And that's kind of my concern right now where I'm looking at it. And that's why I don't think Luke Getse can return. And I think that if Luke Getse doesn't return, I mean, yes, Justin Fields could conceivably come back. But I think and I know this is a hot topic on Twitter and I've I've tried to stay out of it because it's just one of those it's going to play out the way it's going to play out but it's I mean dude if you're looking at the number 1 overall pick it's just like and especially when you start looking at Justin Fields' numbers this year like has he improved? Yes. Has he improved enough? I don't know man I really don't think so. And and it's not to say that the, that it's all his fault because it absolutely is not but I think that people are really underrating the situation that the bears are going to be in moving into this off season. Like it doesn't matter if they finish eight and nine or six and six and 11. It doesn't matter at this point. Like you're looking at a situation where they could very easily hit the reset button, as long as they lock up that number one overall pick. And if they're looking for a head coach, like all this talk about Ben Johnson wanting, you know, the, the whole $15 million a year thing is nonsense. Like. That's there are like four coaches in the NFL that make $15 million a year right now. None of them are first year head coaches. That's just absolutely wild. Could he make eight to $10 million? Probably. But again, I think when you're looking at the bear situation and that's not even to say you don't have to throw Justin Fields out. You don't have to say, Hey, Justin Fields isn't an option. We're drafting a quarterback. But I think that if you have that number one overall pick, you have an improving Justin Fields, like a steadily improving Justin Fields where we kind of know what he is at this point. You know, the ceiling is probably not nearly as high as we thought, but I think the floor is definitely higher than maybe we thought going into the year, whatever the case may be. That's going to be a really, really, really attractive job to almost anybody. And it's just one of those situations where I I think you look at that and it's just, I, I don't see very many scenarios right now where, and I don't even think Justin Fields is playing bad by any means, but I don't think he's playing well enough to where you can just look at the, the you know, having the no, number one overall pick and saying, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. But again, we've got these last few games, let it all play out. But I just, to me, we're not learning enough in one direction or another. And to me, that signals, like, if you don't have your answer by the end of the year, like if you don't have a resounding, yes, we're picking up a fifth year option, Yes, we're ready to give him $45, dollars a year. Then having that number one overall pick changes that calculus, and I think that that's where they're going to lead.
1: Yeah, and you know I'm with you. Like, you have the chance to take a quarterback again, a player like Caleb Williams, and I've said it, you know, pretty much all season. Like Justin Fields has to leave. No doubt at all that he is the guy. If there's any doubt at all, any little doubt they're going to take a quarterback um, if they get the number one pick. It's just reality. I mean, it's it's how it goes. And, you know, it it, it sucks because I think Justin's a very likable guy. I do think there is talent there, but at the same time, you know, it's the same struggles we're seeing, you know, game after game after game at times. And yeah, he's flashed, you know, his potential. I think he's put together some really good games this season at the same time. You know, there's also been some stinkers and, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's it's something that I wish would just, the decision would happen soon because I just, you know, and even after the incident happens, there's going to be a lot of, you know, talk on Twitter and arguments between fans and this and that. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be the biggest story right when, you know, the clock hits zero in week 18, in the offseason gets into full swing for the Bears, there are going to be a lot of rumors, a lot of reports um, until something is finally decided and you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how Ryan Poles plays it because, you know, he said last year that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis would have to blow him away for him to trade Jesse Fields and, and pick at number one. I, I think it's we could see something similar this year, um, but also at the same time, like, I, I think Caleb Williams and Drake May have the potential to really blow you away, un, unlike, you know, Bryce Young did last year in the process. Um, well, on paper, this is a... Like, much, paper, better.
2: Again, much better quarterback class i mean you could shit you could even throw if you wanted to throw Jaden
1: daniels who's so gonna be a top five pick
2: yeah i mean and that's that's what i'm saying like it's just the conversation like people want to make it the same conversation as last year and it's not because we have another year of justin fields and you can flip that script and say has justin fields blown you away enough to pass on even if you don't want to call it either drake may or kayla williams generational prospect This is probably on paper, again, on paper, this is probably the best quarterback class we've seen over the last four or five years. So it's like, has he done enough to where you're willing to commit to a fifth year option and potentially a second contract versus resetting that clock? Because, again, that's all part of the calculus. And another part of that calculus, too, is and I'll be the first to say it right now. I think the absolute worst thing that the bears can do right now. And I would assume that you would agree. Cause I feel like most bears fans have seen this play out a few too many times to know that this isn't going to work. The worst thing that they could do is keep Matt reflues hire another offensive coordinator and yeah. draft a quarterback.
1: I agree. hundred percent. Exactly what happened pretty much, you know, with, um, well, they took fields essentially. Yeah. Uh, so
2: it's just, I, I don't know, man. Like, and again, I, we're going to beat this shit to death. Over yeah. the next few months. Oh, it's already.
1: But, I mean, it's our dude, it's every all anything anyone's talking about on Twitter. Like, you yeah, can't well, watch a game without mentioning Caleb Williams or Drake May. I I I am a North Carolina fan, I'll admit it. Um, you know that. Like I'll I'm an Oklahoma fan. I'm a yeah, I'm a Williams fan because I'm an Oklahoma fan. Like and I get yeah. I've tweeted about North Carolina games. I've had people my mention they're not trading Justin. Why do you want me? I'm like, dude, I'm just rooting for
2: yeah the, the <laughs> amount of certainty that some people on both sides can speak with right now absolutely cracks me up it's like like to sit here and say that you know for sure that justin fields is being traded or you know for sure that justin fields is staying is absolutely crazy because again like this isn't a common and that's the thing that i think a lot of people are forgetting this isn't a common situation this isn't a situation like dude if the bears had like, if the Bears only had their, their pick right now and it, it was like, you know, top eight to top 10 pick, this isn't a conversation. Like, this this simply, like, it may be a slight conversation of if Jaden Daniels falls to you at eight, do you make the pick? Okay, cool. But, like, we're talking about a situation where, you know, barring an insane, and we've seen it, I mean, we saw it happen last year with, with Houston, but barring something crazy, like Carolina is going to hand the Bears a number one overall pick. So, you know, it, it's just a very it's it's just a situation that it doesn't happen very often at all. And it it's also one of those situations too where the Bears are a lot closer than they were a few years ago. Like I would actually argue personally that the Bears are closer right now going into this offseason than they were when they drafted Justin Fields three years ago because the roster's younger, the cap flexibility is a lot better. Uh, in my opinion, the roster's better. Like there's there's a clear path to being good right now, and I think that that like when you really look at all that, especially when you look at it from Ryan Poles' you know s- standpoint, dude. If he hangs, here's the thing. If he hangs with Matty Eberflus like let's just say he hangs with Matty Eberflus regardless of what they do at the quarterback position, all that goodwill, all of that that clock that they had with you
1: know
0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc
2: resetting whatever is all gone because if he doesn't take his chance for a new head coach and a new quarterback now and they fail again next year i think all all of them are going to be gone and i think that he also knows that as well where it's like kevin warren and him may have a great relationship but that wasn't kevin warren's hire now It would be very easy for Kevin Warren to watch things play out, let things go status quo, have a similar result next year and be like, well, you know, I like you. I gave you the opportunity to change things up and really kind of reset your own clock. You didn't take it. Now I'm going to reset the entire clock and I'm going to make my own moves. So there's a lot of risk involved for Ryan Poles, too. And I know people see running it back as like the safest option. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think there is a safe option here. And frankly, if there is a safe option, I think restarting the clock at a head coach and quarterback at least buys Ryan Pulse some time considering what else he's done. But again,
1: yep. He'll we'll dive right in all this. Goal,
2: yeah, you know, everything well, everything revolves around the quarterback. And But frankly, I think, I think a lot of this is going to come down to the evaluation of Matt Eberflus too, which is why I can't confidently say one way or another what they're going to do at years end. i mean who knows they could go eight and nine the rest of the way out um beat the packers and ryan poles could have made the decision a month or two ago like hey we got the number one overall pick man i need i need an offensive minded head coach that isn't going to blow games that can that can r- hire the right coaching staff out of the gate because that's something else we hadn't even talked about too i mean take it take out the Allen williams stuff i mean like in terms of him getting dismissed or whatever the hell happened earlier in the year he was still an objectively bad defensive coordinator. The defense only turned around when Matt Eberflus stepped in and started calling the plays. His offensive coordinator hires have been terrible. Frankly, some of his position coach hires have been terrible as well. It's like there's not a great track record to tell you, especially for as many job openings that are going to be there, that he's going to be able to go out and make the right moves anyway.
1: Yeah, man, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot until – you know, all offseason, and honestly, it'll be fun to cover. But let's look at this game, Aaron. Um, The Bears are welcoming in the Atlanta Falcons to Soldier Field. It's the uh, home finale, Sunday afternoon, 12 o'clock start for Chicago time. And the Falcons, you know, coming off a big win over the Colts. Um, You know, they're in that NFC South where they're one game behind the Buccaneers. They kind of hit a little bit of a – snag two and five on the road. Buccaneers have kind of found their groove with a four game win streak. This is a winnable game for the bears. The opening line uh, bears are favored by three. Obviously the home team gets three points. Um, so it's kind of more like a pick em. but this is our chance for the bears to win. Um, it's it, it's a, it's a, it's a vulnerable Falcons team for me, watching Atlanta this year, a couple times they're either seem like they're firing on all cylinders or they're just really bad. Um, And obviously, you know, they made the the change at quarterback again with uh, Taylor Heineke replacing Desmond Ritter. You know, they have Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Kind of feels like they haven't really gotten the full potential out of that group just yet. Um, But in terms of prediction and X-Factor, I'll go first for this one. Um, I'm going to take the Bears to win this game. I think the Bears are the better team. I think they're kind of firing on all cylinders, or or starting to at least. Um, Obviously, clean some things up on offense, but the defense is definitely firing on all cylinders. They look really good. Um, This is another one of those games where I have a feeling that, like, Atlanta's going to look like they don't want to be there from the start. Uh, Potential, you know, I don't know what the weather's going to look like, but uh, a dome team going on the road to Chicago in the winter, not a great, um, you know, mixture or combination for them. I'm going to go Bears, let's say Bears 24, Falcons uh, 13. I think the defense is going to dominate it. My X factor is, is going to be the defense. I, I think that they're going to get pressure on Heineke. They're going to get pressure uh, in the backfield, slow down the run game. And you know I, I think they should win this one a little bit more convincingly this week.
2: Yeah, it's going to be – this is an interesting game, man, because, like, if you look at, like, the DVOA rankings or you look at just, like, pure numbers, yardage, points, all that stuff, like, these are two very similar teams, realistically. I mean, like, both have pretty good defenses. I would – like, statistically, for the most part, the, the, the Falcons have a better defense, but I think that they've been playing more consistent, and I think the Bears' defense has been playing – I mean, easily top 10 level, I'd say even probably even like top seven over the last like month and a half, two months of the season. And then obviously offensively, they're kind of one and the same, man. There's there's some questions that quarterback for both teams really haven't been getting a, a ton of production out of the passing game. The offensive lines have been banged up, so on and so forth. I think this is going to be a really close game because I think here's the thing, like Atlanta has a better shot at the playoffs than the Bears. Only because they're in this, they're uh, they, well. They they have one more win than the Bears do, but because they play in the NFC South, and you know, but that game with the Saints and Bucks are going to be going on at the same time. If the Bucks win, the Bucks win the division. They're they're eight and seven right now. If they win, they win the division. Now, if the Saints win, then that keeps Atlanta technically, mathematically, still in it. And then obviously, you know if Atlanta was to win this game, they'd still be in the wild card. So they have something to play for too. But I think it's also interesting because there's been a lot of talk that Atlanta may end up going in a different direction uh, with both GM and head coach. So they've got a lot to play for as well. Um, They looked absolutely horrendous against the Panthers a few weeks ago where they lost. What was that? Nine to seven. Um, But then they absolutely dominated the Colts this last week and the Colts are a pretty good football team. So, in a lot of ways, they're like the Bears. You don't know what you're going to get. Now, I do agree. I, I, I think this is a game that the Bears should win, um, which is why I'm going to pick them. Um, I, I'm going to go 2017. I think I think both of these offenses are going to struggle to score points, honestly. Um, and I think really the X factor for me is going to come down to the Bears have to be able to stop the Falcons run game because, you know, Bajan Robinson hasn't broken 75 yards. And I think it's been like five games, but it's because he's, Literally getting like 10 12 rushes a game at that. So they've been pretty productive as a as a running team. Um, obviously Taylor Heineke is going to get another start. That's been kind of a question mark, but you kind of have to get them off their game a little bit and you have to get them throwing the ball. And I think that that's where the Bears are going to force turnovers. So I think it's going to be a close game. I think that 2017 score. I think it might come down to the last uh, you know, drive or two of the game. But again, I'm expecting a seven and ten finish from the Bears. And frankly, if Adeline one way or another, it's them beating beating Atlanta and then losing to the Green Bay in Week 18.
1: Yeah, that uh, Bijan Robinson thing is a little funny down there. Like, it, it just feels like they're not like they're not using him to the best of their ability, um, from what I've seen and, and what I've read. Um, you know, going on with the Falcons, but Aaron Worker would follow you on Twitter. Where can everyone read your work.
2: Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at the bayreport.com
1: you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps us and picks for polls. Uh, until then, everyone, we'll see you next week. Please stay healthy. Please stay safe. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert
2: hall, he knows the show must always go on.